The Secret World Chronicle, a podcast novel series written by Mercedes Lackey, Dennis Lee, Cody Martin, and Veronica Jaguer. Presenting Season 6, Revolutions. Brothers in Blood, Part 1. Written by Dennis Lee and Mercedes Lackey. Vicky's eyes felt like someone had poured a pint of sand in each. Her nerves were fried, and her stomach sour from all the coffee she'd been drinking. She hadn't had anything close to a decent night's sleep in... longer than she could remember right now with her brain all fogged up. And her bed did not beckon at all. In fact, she was doing everything she could to hold off sleep with both hands. Not that she didn't need it. She knew all too well that if she didn't get some soon, she was going to start making major mistakes. But because sleep was going to bring anything but rest. Bella had warned her that the desensitization they were doing was going to make things worse before they got better, and Bella had no idea how much worse it had become. Sleep had become an ordeal. She'd soundproofed her bedroom to keep from terrifying the neighbors, because if she didn't wake up literally screaming, she woke up crying. Either crying because she and Red were an item in the dream, like that would ever happen, or crying because as soon as she woke up, she realized she'd been dreaming herself back into that eighteen-year-old body she used to have, about how things used to be, and when she woke up, she woke up to the reality that they never would be that way again. I am too damn old to be waking up in tears because I can't have a guy in love with me. Why can't I get my brain wrapped around being grateful to have Jeannie as a friend? Crying about being a half-cripple, though, that was probably reasonable. If this kept up, she'd have to feed herself through a tube, because she'd either rot out her stomach with coffee, or her stomach would decide it was never going to hold anything solid again. Just as she was trying to figure out if coffee or green tea or a nicotine lozenge would be the best option to gain herself one more precious nightmare-free hour, all her magic senses exploded with overload. Though her overwatch room was usually dark, it flooded with golden light, and she suddenly felt crushed. Not emotionally crushed, but as if the room had suddenly acquired a second occupant that was much too large for it. The normally cold overwatch room also turned warm, and the air filled with the scents of sandalwood, vanilla, and cinnamon. And all of her arcane senses shrieked, Kneel! Bow down in the presence! as her gut knotted with awe and terror. She didn't even bother to look. She knew what this was. She'd encountered it once already, and she followed her instincts. She slipped from her chair to her knees, eyes squeezed shut, head abjectly bowed. Oh. Bother, said the voice in her head and her ears. I am sorry. It is much easier to get your attention than certain other blockheads. The presence and the awe and terror faded, replaced with an aura of kindness and compassion. Cautiously, Vicky raised her head a little and cracked her eyes open. It was the Seraphim, all right, the first time Vicky had seen her, except at a distance, since the invasion. 
fire wings folded neatly, body clothed in flame, hair like a bonfire, and eyes like embers, she was not the sort of thing to inspire welcome or pleasure in a pyrophobic. And yet that all-enveloping blanket of compassion managed to keep Vicky where she was and not running for the door. She squeaked, cleared her throat, and finally managed to croak, what, what how can I ha help you, eldest? All the while thinking, either I have lost my mind completely and I'm hallucinating where she's really here and any second now the last nearby I have left is going to fry or she's going to give me some quest or other, or... You have earned a boon, magician. Those ember eyes regarded her with sympathy. And you are at the end of your strength. What is it you need? Ask. Oh, she knew this story. It began with, be careful what you ask for. Every magician knew this story. The greedy and the thoughtless got exactly what they deserved, and... She could ask for just about anything, but if it was selfish... Tears of exhaustion trickled down her face. This was a bad, bad time to be given such a decision, because she was sure to make the wrong choice. Words were power. Words were spells. Oh, don't ask for Red to love you. That will only end in tears. And don't ask for your old self back. Uncle Bello will really come after you and everyone around you then. Finally, rest, she whispered. Please, if that's all right, just a little rest. But not if I'm needed, not, not if someone is going to be in trouble if I'm not available. Enough. Your need is great, and your wish pure. The seraphim smiled. And your understanding is sound. From this moment, you shall sleep and rise rested, little magician. No more nightmares. Those dreams of the past that cause you grief and those of longing. Though you may have them, you shall not recall on waking. You shall have rest. Go. She waved an arm and a wing at the door, and Vicky rose and stumbled past her, pausing only with her hand on the doorknob. If I'm needed, she said, turning. But the seraphim was gone, and it was all she could do to make it to her bed before blessed, empty sleep, sleep flooded with gratitude, claimed her. And she never noticed that, as usual, her hand closed around the fragment of Jeanie's claw she kept under her pillow. With Bull work back, Red had taken a backseat on training the new recruits. Bull had been to limbo and back, and the docs couldn't find one good medical reason to keep him off active duty, which the huge man had immediately seized upon. The way Red heard it, 
Bull had snapped off the monitoring tabs they had stuck to his body, climbed into his uniform, and simply walked out. Bella had tried to talk him down, of course, scolding him about needing emotional, if not physical, rest. Bull would have none of it, and had simply marched into the barracks, selected a team of new recruits not yet assigned to a trainer, and had gone to work. For some reason, Bull had avoided Red, who, with the exception of the occasional recruiting run, had found himself with little to do. He was still working with Victrix, making sure she kept to her training schedule on the parkour course and overseeing her marksmanship on the range. At least Vix was improving, though she still didn't seem able to acknowledge it. Vix. When had he started calling her Vix? It seemed important for some reason, like it crossed a vague but certain line between colleague and friend. He found he was calling on her more and more these days. She was really the only person there he could call a friend. Most of the people at Echo still avoided him. He was a bit of a jerk, he supposed. Of those left, well... Scope and Acrobat were still AWOL, and things just got weird around Bella. The Rebel Alliance, or whatever they were calling themselves this week, had kept her pretty busy. Right now, the best hope lay with Ramona and Yankee Pride and their administrative coup, or hostile takeover, depending how it went. If it worked, it would be mostly bloodless. Not that anything involving Verdigree was going to be completely bloodless. The man was vicious. Bella had the unenviable task of keeping on top of him, all the while keeping up the appearance that she was a blundering idiot, completely over her head and lost in the details of running Echo Medical. The few times they had run into each other, the awkward pauses were brief as she was rescued by yet another emergency. They seemed to follow her around these days. She was also spending a lot of time with Bull. Red understood. Bull would be vital to that plan. No one knew and understood strategy, tactics, administration, and bureaucracy like he did. He could sure see where Bull would be more useful to Bella and Pride than he was. Bull had been skating his way around petty bureaucrats to keep doing things his own way for... probably as long as he'd been in the military, much less Echo. There were other reasons, of course. When he had tagged a ride with the Seraphim, Red had become privy to a lot of things he probably shouldn't have been, including how Bull and Bella privately felt about each other. He came to the sudden realization that he was feeling sorry for himself. They worked, anyone could see it. Still, that could have been him. And if they weren't facing the meltdown of the universe, by God, it would have been him. Face the truth. You're holding a one-man pity party. You need to get your mind off the girl and him and keep your mind on. Red gave a shrill yelp as he missed his footing and tumbled off the high beam. His arms flailed as he tried to get a hold of something, anything to keep him from plummeting down from the highest point of the parkour course. He missed a handhold by mere inches and let his body go limp as he rolled and bumped his way down the steep slope, shouting curses to land in a heap on the dirt. I just fell. And of course, there's no way. No one saw me do that. Nice dismount, Bull said. 
The big man was leaning up against a wall, where he would have been just out of Jeanie's line of sight, his arms crossed over his chest. I particularly enjoyed the alliterative F-bombs. Well, you know me, Red groaned as he forced himself to a sitting position. Tell you what, next time I'll do my rendition of the aristocrats on the way down. Bull strolled over and helped Red to his feet. Thanks, Red said. Need a word, Bull replied, frowning slightly. I know you've been taking over the training of the new recruits while I was gone, but I'm certified as back, and I'll handle it from now on. Well, duh. If you haven't noticed, I haven't lifted a finger with the recruits since you got back. And I've been busy. Red hesitated. Falling off obstacle courses, Bulwark suggested. No, Red thought. Avoiding you and Bella. Bull shook his head. I was talking about our Miss Victrix. She wired me up yesterday, which allowed me to get a good look at her. She looks like hell. You're pushing her too hard. She's going to break, and she's the one component we can't do without. Red clenched his jaw. What, was she whining now? She hasn't complained to me. What's her beef? If she has one, she should be talking to me. She didn't say anything, but... She looks like she hasn't slept in a week. Bulwark frowned. And I looked over the schedule. Two hour runs on the course twice a day and an hour on the range. She's the one that wanted the second parkour session, Red objected. Damn it, Bull. Don't put it on me that the woman drives herself harder than I could. Vix had turned into a self-motivated machine. Red might have even admitted that he was proud of her. True, she did look like hell lately, but he didn't think it had anything to do with the training sessions. In fact, he got the feeling the sessions gave her relief from... something. As a trainer, you should know her limits better than she does. Now he was just being difficult. Bull didn't reveal much. He never had, but time spent with the man in missions and on the training field had taught Red a few of Bulwark's tells. He was never unreasonable, nor did his voice get any louder than it needed to, unless he was bothered about something. This was quite the opposite. Bull was too quiet, too controlled, and it screamed overcompensation. Red considered Bull's posture, the exaggerated stiffness in his stance, the careful, even tones of his voice. He was trying too hard. He cared about Vix, sure, they all did, but this was more than that. It was as if a new tension had risen between them. Bella. She must have told him about their kiss, about those few shared moments when something seemed to click between them. Red could read it in the way Bull was not threatening him in his usual passive-aggressive way, was not issuing commands, was not being his general, overbearing self. Instead, 
he was picking a fight in a very unbull-like way. He was telling Red straight out that he was unfit to do his job. Red didn't bother with the chests or with any innuendo. If the jar had wanted to have it out, that was fine. Red had some pent-up anger over the whole mess to vent out, too. Red made a dismissive gesture. Fine. You tell her. You're the team lead. It's not my fault you pick women that are more mule-stubber than you are. Oh, and don't be surprised if she tells you to go to hell. Red hesitated again, confused. Amethyst. Bella. And now Vix. Bull didn't see it, but suddenly Red did. Three women, and Red could have made that statement about any of them. Three women, far more alike than he had realized until this moment. All three of them could be worse than a hog on ice when they got the bit stuck in their teeth, to truly mix metaphors. Red had lost two of them to Bull, and now the big man was out to take his friend as well? To hell with that. He might think of himself, maybe subconsciously, as the head stallion of the herd, but there was no way Red was going to play Omega Dog to his alpha. Hell, more scrambled metaphors. I'll tell her, Bull promised. And given your history with her, I think you would agree she may be better off with my support rather than your abuse. Now Red was starting to fume. My history, about which you know absolutely nothing. You were playing stand-in for a store mannequin while I was working with her. Did you even bother to ask someone about that? I've been the one that's been her main support while you've been gone. I've been the go-to guy, not you. Yes, while I've been gone. And now I'm back. How about if you act like it and get yourself properly briefed first, then? Red seethed. Actually find out what's going on, instead of assuming you know what's best for the girl. If I know her, she just might give you a slap upside the head for that kind of attitude. Was Vix listening in on this? He couldn't imagine her not giving both of them a piece of her mind if she had been. She never held back when she was the disembodied voice, yet there was nothing but dead air on his earpiece, and Red had to admit he was a bit relieved. The last thing he wanted right now was someone to hold him back, not when he was enjoying some much-needed release. Unlike you, Jeanie, I do not take pleasure from being beaten up by women, Bulwark said, with just the faintest twitch of his lip. But I think you overestimate her anger. She has never been anything less than cordial to me. Perhaps she values the respect I have for her, or perhaps she has none for you. Oh, that's your take on it, Miss Cleo. I don't know, Bull. Seems to me your powers of observation have taken a hit of late. Maybe you aren't as good at figuring people out as you think you are. I mean, you really missed all the signals with Harmony, didn't you? Red applied another turn of the knife. Didn't see what was behind the big lovelorn eyes, did you? 
Or maybe you just didn't want to. Bull didn't answer. His lip twitched some more. That was a warning sign, but the genie was relentless. Or maybe you just didn't notice. You were distracted while you were giving it to her. Red saw it coming, but even then he could hardly believe it. Bull reared back, his lips beginning to curl over clenched teeth, and drove a heavy fist up into Red's exposed jaw. It was a spectacular hit, and Red flew up and backwards, knocked skyward as Bull's kinetic shield flared to life with the blow. I'm falling again, Red thought. Twice in one day. Of course, this time I'm falling up. He spun around and caught himself on an exposed girder, twenty feet above the ground. He hung there for a moment, then looked down to see Bulwark standing below him, his hands clenched, his shield pulsating in fury. Foreplay. I love it. Despite his aching jaw, Red reveled in his soiled triumph. Bulwark stared up at him, face going flush, then abruptly turned on his heel and stalked off. Red hoisted himself up on his perch and watched Bull walk away. He had to admit he felt better now. That punch was a long time coming, he knew, just as he knew that Bull was feeling anything but good about himself. Still, there was nothing like a solid strike to the head to get a little perspective, and through the regret and sadness of this whole fiasco, Red was experiencing one of those moments of absolute clarity. God, I really am a jerk, he said. Pike ran up the slope towards the parkour course, excited to finally have a reason to talk to the genie. Ever since his rescue, he'd secretly hoped to be assigned to Red Genie and his team of trainees, but for some reason the genie had stopped his training exercises abruptly, except for his daily sessions with that Victrix woman. Pike couldn't say he liked her very much. He still remembered the way she had dropped him into a sewer. There was something in the way she had done it, something that he took for disdain. He would remember it. He had a way of holding grudges. He stopped a moment to adjust the Echo trainee suit they had given him. It didn't fit right, being a bit too snug across the chest and shoulders and far too loose in the undercarriage. He wondered about its previous owner and what sort of shape-loser it had to have been to stretch it out in such odd dimensions. He could have fixed it, he supposed, and wheeled his body to fill it out in the right places, but the thought disgusted him. Things would change soon enough. And if they didn't, he would adapt. He was very adaptable, and he had a way of being patient when the need arose. The universe would provide, after all. It always did. As he crested the hill, he came to a stop and smiled. Good, he didn't have to search for the genie or run him down on the course. His quarry seemed to be taking a breather, resting on an exposed girder just a few levels up. He waved up at him, but the genie didn't seem to notice. He was, in fact, slumped over with his head bowed. He looked troubled. How curious. Mr. Janie? Sir? Pike called up. Red's head snapped up at this unwelcome intruder. Do me a favor, kid. 
Don't ever call me that again. Pike hunched a little. I'm sorry. What should I call you, then? The genie shook his head. Red. Just call me Red. And you're... Pike, you saved me from Blacksnake, remember? Of course he would remember. The event, if not the person he had saved. The genie peered down at him. Pike, yeah, sure. What can I do for you, Pike? I I've got something for you, Red. Pike grinned. That felt good to be on a first-name basis with this man. It felt like an accomplishment, a milestone. Uh, think you might want to come down from up there? Not especially, Red answered. He leaned back, stretched, and settled down on the beam in a lazy sprawl. I'll tell you what, Pike. If you're able to get your ass up here, I'm all yours. Pike glanced from the genie to the girder to the chaotic skeleton of metal bars and jagged concrete that made up this leg of the course, and nodded. He took a running start at a sharp incline and used his momentum to power a backflip away from the stone base towards a small handhold at the foot of a rusty ladder. He swung there for a moment, his feet dangling a good eight feet off the ground, when he hefted his legs up and locked them in place through the rungs of the ladder. He righted himself, climbed a bit, and with a short leap he landed next to Red in a crouch. Well, that backfired, the genie muttered. All right, kid, not bad. Now what's so important that you had to run all the way from HQ to give it to me? Pike shrugged. Nothing important, really. They haven't placed me with a trainer yet, so for now they've mostly got me running packages across campus. Red winced. You're a freaking gopher? Don't you think that's a little beneath you? Pike shook his head. Oh, well, I don't mind. I've got plenty of energy, and it's either this or running laps on the field to stay in shape. I get to be useful this way. Besides, I've gotten to see a lot of the campus while I'm doing it. I've only ever been here once, and I didn't get to see nearly enough. One of those uh, echo-guided tours or something. Yeah, something like that, Pike grinned. I was really rushed through it, too. Guess a lot was happening that day. Anyway, here, I'm supposed to bring you this. He reached into his courier satchel and brought out a small box. He handed it to Red. New comm unit, Red grunted as he opened the package and held up his new earpiece. Yeah, Pike nodded. They said you broke your last one. Yep, Red said. Parting gift from that tussle with Christian. Who? Red gave Pike a look. The guy who was trying to buy you? Oh, Pike said, embarrassed. I uh, wanted to thank you for that for helping me out that day. I really didn't want to go with those guys, but my friends... The genie's eyebrows furrowed. Look, Pike, I'm going to guess here that you haven't had a lot of close friends in your life, but do I really need to spell it out for you what shitty friends they were if they were trying to sell you? 
Yeah, I guess. Pike nodded, if a little foolishly. So, yeah, I guess I just wanted to say, uh, thanks. Red gave him a pitying look and nodded. Don't worry about it. There was an awkward pause. Pike looked around. You're pretty good on the Parker stuff, right? Parkour. Uh, right. I don't suppose... Could you... I mean, if I got someone to train me, maybe I could get on a team instead of running errands? Pike tried to look hopeful without looking like a puppy. They said they don't have enough trainers, but you can train people, right? And you can shoot, too. I remember you were shooting that night. I can probably figure out making my armor work by myself, okay? But until I can get a trainer... He let his voice trail off. Red looked pained. Look, kid, I'll be straight with you. I'm not exactly in my right mind today. Normally... I would have sent you back to HQ with a swift kick in the ass. The only reason you've lasted this long is that I'm going through some severely retarded drama right now, of epically high school proportions, and it's got me a little preoccupied. Severely retarded. We're talking Betty Loves Archie-level drama, sparkly vampires versus topless werewolves. Hell, I'll bet I could draw parallels to the first season of Gossip Girl if I tried hard enough. Pike increased the hopefulness in his gaze a notch, and debated which tactic to take next. The, my parents kicked me out because I was a freak angle? The, everybody says just go away, kid, and won't let me try ploy? The genie would probably respect that. Look, he said, looking determined as he could. I want to do stuff. I know there's ways I can help, but they won't even let me try. Maybe I'm just a kid, but am I going to be worse at this stuff than some of the ex-alkies and druggies they've dragged in? Wish it were that simple, Pike. I'm on a bit of a short leash right now. And if you don't mind, I'm not really up to ruffling feathers with the higher-ups just so you can stretch your legs. Pike gave him a discouraged look, then grinned slyly. What? If it wasn't on the record. I just want to run, man. Stretch my legs and get out there. There's nothing in the rules about you running with me. Is there? Red considered that. What did you have in mind? Pike gestured around him. How many times have you been over this course? You must know it cold. Don't you want to try tackling something different? Something that'll get your blood pumping? Red looked around and nodded with a sigh. Might be nice. Been feeling a bit caged up lately. Probably why I've been volunteering for so many recruitment runs. You know a good spot? Pike's grin grew wider. Boy, do I ever... Red blinked as he took in his surroundings. The destruction corridor still looked like something out of a post-apocalyptic movie. There were even fires burning here and there. No flames, but thin threads of smoke rising from the rubble. 
Unlike other parts of the city, no one had even tried to reclaim this area. It must have been pretty much toast after the invasion, stripped by scavengers, so there was nothing really worth even squatters trying to take. Things had to be pretty grim when even homeless squatters didn't live here. Eventually the bulldozers would move in, but right now the area wasn't close enough to downtown for anyone to put a priority on cleaning it out. With higher-value real estate waiting to be cleared, it would be a while before anything lived here but rats, cats, and roaches. And the occasional roving band of rebs. Would they count as roaches? This isn't quite what I had in mind, Red said. Aw, come on! Pike spread his arms wide, obviously enamored with the view. How does this not fit the bill? Treacherous terrain, multi-leveled, and yeah, just a hint of danger from my old pals. Red chuckled. The kid had a point. The buildings here hadn't been taller than four stories, and a lot of them had been warehouses or old industrial buildings, but that meant they were all the better in their wrecked state for parkour. Add in the crushed and abandoned cars and trucks... Come to think of it, coming out here was a better idea than working a course he already knew well enough to run in his sleep. He'd have to be sharp here. He couldn't afford to let his attention lapse if he was going to do it at any speed. Why hadn't he thought of this before? His estimation of the kid rose by a hair. Already he felt more energized by the challenge. So, kid, you have a start and finish line? Or you just want to follow me and see if you can keep up? Pike shrugged. A start and finish, I guess. Start at that burnt-out bread truck, a waypoint being at the Piggly Wiggly sign, the bent-over cell tower, the old Winston factory, and the semi-trailer up there that's on end. You see it? That'll be the end. You lead, I'll try and keep up. From where they stood, the landmarks were clear. The Piggly Wiggly sign was only a Piggle Iggy. But if you knew the store, which everyone in this part of the country did, it was clear. The factory had been a four-story brick structure, and still had part of the old painted signage across the top, Red Winston, presumably the cigarettes before they had become Winston-Salem, on blistered, peeling white. The upended semi-trailer must have been hurled there by an explosion. It stood up, leaning only slightly to the right, embedded in a pile of rubble, a strange sort of monolith. Red eyeballed the run. It looked to be just about a quarter of a mile in total. A good warm-up for him, and he'd be able to see how good the kid was without killing him. Okay, kid, he said. Quick trot to the bread van, stretch out and warm up on the way. Ready? The kid grinned, and Red took off at a gentle jog. As he hurtled over a collapsed brick wall, Red risked a look back at Pike. The kid certainly had some natural talent for this sort of thing. He obviously had no formal training, simply adapting to the jagged landscape as he followed Red's lead, but he was naturally lithe and seemed to glide over the rougher patches of terrain. In that respect, he reminded Red of himself. That could be taken as either good or bad, Red supposed. Pike was certainly matching Red's pace. He had to give him that much. 
Even after upping the difficulty, Pike had met each challenge without hesitation. Whatever holes Red dove through, whatever heights he had to spring to, walls to climb, or the occasional balanced sprints across uneven footing, Pike was right behind him, sporting a mad grin that seemed to split his face in two. He was obviously having a marvelous time, and was beginning to close in. Red dropped any pretense of flashy acrobatics, and opted for speed. He somersaulted over broken flooring and landed at full sprint, darting around upended machinery on the factory floor, and made a dash for the collapsed side of the building. All that separated him and the last leg of the makeshift course were slippery floors and piles of rubble. He slid through the puddles, barreled over the debris, uncomfortable with the immediate sounds of splashing water and shifting rock behind him. Pike was right behind him. As he broke through the hole where a window had once been, Red went all out. The upended trailer, their impromptu finish line, was just ahead. What had begun as a simple training exercise had somehow turned into a serious race. Someone had dropped the ball on this kid. They clearly hadn't even tested him. He was good. Between the parkour talent and the self-armoring power, he should be out on the street with a team. Even if he couldn't do squat offensively, he could still protect the DCOs who, unlike Bella, really were uncomfortable with fighting. Pike had been at Echo HQ for two weeks, plenty of time to give even a simple assessment of what he could do. For the rest of it, Red supposed the shrinks were taking care of his apparent mental issues. With Bella's new interventionist therapy, recoveries from simple stuff were going really fast. Was that where had Pike's sudden attitude and confidence come from? The last time Red had seen him, he had seemed shy, very unsure of himself. Still, that didn't explain how he had fallen through some very obvious cracks in the recruitment drive. No way this kid would have been overlooked by the trainers. Something didn't add up. Right behind you, old man! From just over Red's shoulder, Pike's laughter rang out strong and unfettered. Great. The kid wasn't even winded. Red, on the other hand, was feeling a strong burn in his chest, legs, and arms. Hell with it, Red thought, and pushed himself further. He heard Pike fall behind as he drove his legs harder, and as he closed the distance to the trailer he was keenly aware of how fast his heart was racing. There was no warning, no hint that something was off. Just an enormous whomp, a tumbling vortex of black smoke and red flame ascending from what had been the trailer, and a scorching pressure wave hitting Red in mid-jump like a blast of wind straight out of hell. He was hurtled back and landed unceremoniously on his side. He felt something tear in his back. That couldn't be good. Looks like I'll be seeing Bella again real soon. He propped himself up on his arm and pondered that. He was thinking about how awkward it was going to be, forced into the same room with Bella, probably alone, and what he could possibly say to her that would sound even remotely sane. Sane? He had just run into an explosion. The blast had left him staggered, deaf, and even his skin-based senses seemed dulled in the wake of the explosion. Why was he concerned with Bella? The absurdity of the situation began to crystallize in his thoughts, of a semi blowing up for no apparent reason just seconds before he was about to slap its side in victory, when he caught a glimpse of an entire squad of armored Krieger power suits climb out of the smoking crater that remained. Christ, and we were worried about running into Rebs. Pike! 
Red shouted. We've got hostels. Red felt Pike's hands on him, helping him up. The boy was shouting something, but Red couldn't make it out over the persistent ringing in his ears. I can't hear you, Red shouted, pointing at his ears. Big truck, go kablooey! Red deaf now, not just dumb! Pike rolled his eyes and slowly shaped the words with his mouth. Brother, I am so very disappointed in you. Red stared at him, dumbfounded. He didn't even have time to begin to parse what seemed to be an utter non-sequitur when Pike pressed something into his side. It felt like he'd been hit by lightning. His body convulsed, his mind blanked, and he felt himself falling. This has been Revolutions, Season 6 of The Secret World Chronicle. The Secret World Chronicle is narrated and produced by Veronica Jaguer, with music by Kevin McLeod from Incompetech.com. Find us at www.secretworldchronicle.com, like us on Facebook, and circle us on Google+. And as always, thank you for listening.